Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me for a conversation about Psalm 79 today is Joan Curry. Joan, if you remember from Psalm 39, is one of our elders here at Granite Springs. Well, I should say she she is not featured in Psalm 39, but she talked with me about <laughs> Psalm 39. She also helps coordinate our prayer team here. So she does a beautiful job compiling these monthly prayer guides. If you've seen those or if you've prayed with people in the prayer corner, we have Joan to thank for that. Fortunately, those prayer guides never sound anything like Psalm 79, <laughs> which if you don't understand what I mean, just wait till you hear the psalm. So I'm really interested to have this conversation with her. I know you'll enjoy it. To get us started, here's Joan reading Psalm 79. O God, the nations have invaded your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have reduced Jerusalem to rubble. They have left the dead bodies of your servants as food for the birds of the sky, the flesh of your own people for the animals of the wild. They have poured out blood like water all around Jerusalem. And there is no one to bury the dead. We are objects of contempt to our neighbors, of scorn and diversion to those around us. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? How long will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and devastated the homeland. Do not hold against us the sins of past generations. May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. Help us, God, our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Before our eyes make known among the nations that you avenge the outpoured blood of your servants. May the groans of the prisoners come before you. With your strong arm, preserve those condemned to die. Pay back into the laps of our neighbors seven times the contempt they have hurled at you, Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. From generation to generation, we will proclaim your praise. Joan, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. I was looking, and it has been a year and a half since we talked about Psalm 39. Oh, wow. I know. Okay. I wouldn't have thought it was that long ago, but uh -huh. you know, we were just talking before hitting record about the way the project elongates, <laughs> and suddenly yes. it's like, oh, I would have thought, we well, we should have had Joan on much more recently <laughs> than that, but glad you're here. Although the psalm, you know... It wasn't, it wasn't chosen with you in mind, Joan. <laughs> oh, good, I want you to know. Good. <laughs> but it's a bit of a doozy, isn't uh -huh. it? I mean, yes. many of them, many of them are. Maybe mm -hmm. we can just start with the broadest question to get us kind of talking about the psalm. What stood out to you in reading this psalm? Well, honestly, the first time I ran through it, it was like, okay, your temple's defiled, Jerusalem is destroyed, there's bodies in the street. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. It's like, who could think the... Bible is dull with all of this, you know? <laughs> Seriously. Uh -huh. Yeah. Blood like water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's gruesome. Yeah. Gory even yeah. a little bit. And they're yelling for help. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. I, who could think the Bible is dull? Yeah, this psalm is is anything but dull. Yeah. For sure. Uh -huh. I I was that yell for help is what kind of what stood out to me. 
when I was reading this psalm. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts too about this, but it's like a yell for help and it becomes at the end a yell kind of for vengeance. Like, yes. Right. Seven it, times. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just one for one. Yeah. Is it? Seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's verse 12. Uh-huh. Hey, back into the laps of our neighbors seven mm-hmm. times, which I don't know. Not being a Hebrew scholar, I don't know exactly what the lapse of our neighbors signifies there, but whatever it is, it it's, sounds it's bad. not good, right? Yeah. It mm-hmm. sounds really bad. And in fact, the the praise at the end of the psalm, you have a verse that feels very normal for the psalms, right? Mm-hmm. Verse 13, your people, the sheep of your pasture will praise you forever. And I read that and I think, well, that could go in any psalm. Yeah. Except it's tied conditionally to the vengeance of God. It says, when you avenge us, then we, your people... The sheep of your pasture will praise you forever. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting to me. It stood out to me. And and then it really stands out to me that it's not it's not answered. The cry for vengeance kind of goes out and then echoes out, but there isn't a moment in this psalm where it's God thank you that you have taken vengeance on our behalf. Yeah. And I think the Psalms like this always to me are like, how do we read the Psalm in light of the whole Bible? And particularly, I was thinking about recently, I've been reading a book that talks about how we seek to find Christ throughout all of scripture, not in the sense of sort of inserting him, but in the sense of if the whole Bible is the story about Jesus in some way, and if he is the true meaning of the scriptures, then it all points to him. And so I was thinking about the fact that this cry goes out, but is unanswered. It's like there is a way in which the answer to this cry for vengeance is the cross. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah, um, I I thought about that, you know, that I noticed that it wasn't answered, but, and, but you think about the whole, the Bible and all of its context, you know, and God does, does answer us, you know, he answered us through the patriarchs and then through the prophets and then, and then, you know, leading us to Christ. And then, you know, he gave us the apostles to help spread that message and stuff. So I thought it was interesting reading this Psalm after you did 78 with Libby because there's so much history in that where, you know, people turned away from God, but yet he still answers them. Mm. So, yeah. So I think when you read a Psalm like 79, you have that whole history to go on, you know, to say, okay, I'm not getting the answer in this moment, Uh but I know God is there and I know he has a plan. Yeah. And when we do that, too, it reminds us of the ways that God will sometimes subvert our cry, Mm -hmm. right? If we think about the answer to a cry for vengeance being the cross, in the cross, you have the leaders of the Jewish people crucifying Jesus. Mm -hmm. You have, in some sense, the Roman Empire crucifying Jesus. You have have these two groups, (laughs) right? The sort of God's people and the enemies of God, both enacting vengeance Mm -hmm. on the God-man, right? God almost takes that cry of vengeance on himself. Uh, sublimates it in some way. And the whole story of the New Testament is of God, in fact, bringing peace and reconciliation, even among enemies, right? And Jesus' teachings reminds us of this too. Yeah, I was like, it's so, we read this, I think there's a way in which we read this and it's so healthy for us to remember that God can handle the depths of our anguish and our cries for this. But the, the whole Bible also reminds us of the ways that well, sometimes God does really unusual things when we, <laughs> with our sort of most human cries, right? Uh-huh. So anyway, that was that was a little long winded, but I was I was thinking about that as I read sort of the thrust 
of this whole psalm. It's just fascinating as we think about, okay, what's the trajectory? Where do these cries end up? Yeah, if you take just this psalm in and of itself, you, you're, you're kind of left hanging. Yeah, you know? right. So, but if you think about it as in the context of the whole Bible, right. there's a richness there, you yeah. know, so. And that's yeah. probably true. That's probably true of any psalm, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's some psalms that maybe are a little bit easier or more natural for us to enter into, mm-hmm. but they still need the whole story, right? We still they need do. Uh, yeah. the whole story to uh-huh. really access the depth of what's going on there. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. shall we move on to our second question? Yeah. What do we learn about or how do we encounter God in this psalm? I, th- I think the thing that came to mind for me most was that, you know, we're, we're better off with God and following God mm. because, you know, if you think about the times when this was written, it was, you know, the people of God would like, well, they turn away from God and God would, you know, send a prophet or say, no, you need to change your ways or yeah. bad things are going to happen. And then the bad things happen. And then they go, oh, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's Psalm 78, yes. yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, reading it currently is is remembering that my foundation belongs with God hmm. and in God. Hmm. Because without that, I'm just like chaos. Yeah. So. Well, and that... It's interesting because the psalm is naming all these horrible things that are happening. Mm-hmm. But the psalmist, I think, is right there with you, right? They are like they are naming from a place of faith in God because they're identifying in the early verses. It's all really horrific, but they are naming that the nations have invaded your inheritance, God, mm-hmm. and they've defiled your holy temple. And it's your servants whose dead bodies are filling the streets. And I think part of the anguish of this psalm is that at least the psalmist does have that sense of, God, you are my foundation. Now, also recognizing we have wandered, yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and But then how long? How long is this going to go? How long is this destruction going to last if we are rooted in you? Right? Yeah. It's one of the central questions of this psalm. And I think reading that, it can feel a little anxiety inducing, (laughs) like, okay, so God's just not intervening because he's angry or he's jealous. Like, is this just arbitrary? Like he woke up on the wrong side of the bed and now (laughs) like everything is just falling apart because of that. And I really appreciate that this psalm raises that question, but then also points out immediately, and this is like kind of in that verses eight through 10, do not hold against us the sins of past generations. Mm-hmm. That God is not arbitrarily angry, but that there is a reason. There is, yes. Um, and the psalmist is wondering, okay, how much is necessary for us to learn the lesson or how much is necessary for justice to be done here? Mm-hmm. But also the psalmist isn't saying we don't deserve this at all, right? That there is, we need your mercy. No, it's, yeah, it's admitting sin. Right. So, yeah. And it's not uncommon in the Old Testament at all for, like I've been reading Isaiah recently and Isaiah has over and over God using foreign people and the foreign nations right, oh, yeah. as, to discipline his to people. Discipline, yeah. And so again, Babylon. in the context of the whole Bible, it's like, yeah, this is an arbitrary anger on God's no. part, right? Yeah, because if you read the prophets, God like warns them, you know, tries to talk to them through the prophets and, and stuff for quite a long time <laughs> yeah. before he actually intervenes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I read something when I was looking at this psalm, I read something that said, 
you know, we can appreciate God as the creator. We can admire him. Mm. We can appreciate him for his wisdom and learn from him. But it's only after he saves us that we learn to worship him. So I think that kind of goes back to, you know, people turn away from God, but then when they finally recognize that God is the one who saves, that's Mm. when they truly start to worship him. I totally agree with what what you're saying, that when we receive salvation, there is a layer, a depth layer to our worship. Mm -hmm. But also this reminds me of the fickleness of our human heart and the way we can try to bargain with God, you know? Especially Uh, when we're in stress. uh Uh-huh, yeah, Mm -hmm. right. And our tendency to say, okay, God, do you want this this kind of worship? Then this is what I want, right? He understands that fickle nature. So I think... You know, that's why you see all the repetitions in the Old Testament of, you know, people turning away and God entering in and they turn back and stuff because he understands how fickle we are, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's like a really significant truth to hold on to, Mm -hmm. to say that God is not surprised by us. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like on the one no, hand, we are often surprised by God. <laughs> but all, yeah, and sometimes surprised by ourselves, yeah. right? But you have multiple places in Scripture where God knows us even better than we know ourselves, yes, right? He yeah. knows our thoughts before they're uh-huh. formed. And that is good news. That is really good news for us. It is. Uh, because yeah. when he promises his faithfulness, it's not without awareness of the struggles we will have. Yeah. And, and yeah. he knows us better than we know ourselves. Right, yeah. So, well, speaking yeah. of ourselves, let's talk about how this psalm helps us to pray. Yeah, I just think you go back to the faithfulness of God. If you read the psalm through the entire context of the Bible, you understand that God is faithful, Mm. that he will intervene in the appropriate time and in the appropriate fashion, that he doesn't, he won't leave us hanging, you know, that the end is, is, you know, determined by God Mm. and yeah. So when you pray, I think you, it, you can pray with confidence that he does hear you and that he will respond. But he responds in his own time <laughs> and with his own wisdom. So Yeah. Can I can I just ask like how that and I'm asking you because I you I know reflect a lot about prayer and I'm curious like how how we navigate that as people. Right. The fact that, OK, we can fully rely on God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. But we've also talked about this cry of vengeance yeah. is actually something that maybe doesn't get answered in the way that they might have hoped for. Yeah. And just, yeah, do you have any thoughts on how we how we hold those things together? I think it's just trusting in God, learning mm. to trust in God. Yeah. You know, more than we trust in ourselves and more than we trust in our own wisdom, we have to trust in God. Yeah. So. And that trust is relational, isn't it? Like that's what that's one thing that comes to mind. Like it's it's not enough for us when we enter this tension to just know things sort of cerebrally. Like okay, here are the facts because the facts often end up in tension. <laughs> yeah, can feel like okay. Yeah. Well, how can you be perfectly faithful <laughs> to me and not give me what yeah. I want? Because <laughs> all those Pharisees knew the facts, right, But they yeah. didn't really trust in God. Yeah. So, yeah. So that is relational. Yeah. So I guess that goes back to, yeah. You know, it's not enough to say I believe in God it's developing that relationship with God Mm. you know reading the Bible saying your prayers participating Mm. in worship Mm. I love Mm -hmm. that and then to me that helps this psalm find its place right because it's Mm -hmm. like okay how well how 
what does it mean for us to pray this psalm? I think one thing it means is just being part of the ways you build relational trust is by being honest yeah. in your relationship, yeah. right? Uh -huh. This is what I'm on. I'm honestly wondering why yeah. you are delayed, why you are not showing up. And I'm hoping that you'll do this now. Okay, I trust you. What are you actually going to do and mm -hmm. help me witness that? Yeah, I, I was taken to by this verse eight. Do not hold against us the sins of past generations. May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. We've talked a lot about the ways that like the psalm is helpfully read in the context of the whole Bible. And I thought this is a verse that we could just take and pray for ourselves, <laughs> you know, just directly. And yeah, don't uh, hold my sins against me, God. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and also like the sins of past generations. Like that's, uh -huh. we live in a very individualistic context culture. I'm very individualistic. I'm, let me not throw rocks. Let me be honest. <laughs> I think, and I read the Psalms very individualistically. But here, to me, it's a reminder, there is a way in which we belong to a people. And as people mm -hmm. of faith, we belong to God's people. Yeah. And that um, is the way he designed us and, to be. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. But then also there is shared responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just all God interacting with a bunch of individuals in scripture mm -hmm. over and over again. It's God interacting with a group of people. And so for me to make this prayer my own means I actually have to grapple with that and what it means that maybe I don't have individual responsibility for the mistakes and the missteps of the church, but I carry shared weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what that. what does it mean to belong to community, I guess? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and where's my responsibility in that community? Right. Yeah. As I read this passage, I'm like, at the very least, the church has responsibility for its past sins, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And the, that thrust of reminding me I'm not just an individual. The ways I care for my neighbor are not only what, what I'm individually doing, but what we as a people are doing. Yeah. It's just a helpful corrective, I think, for me as I read this so privately. Oh, I read my psalm today. Okay, that feels yeah. good. It's like, okay, Lord, as I, think about, as I think about sin, as I think about the ways that our sin impacts the world, I need to think not just in terms of myself, but how we might need repentance. And then what I love is the psalm is very clear. Like the only thing that meets this is the mercy of God. Yes. Right. There are always going to be limits to how we might rectify or seek reconciliation for our sins. But really what we need is a work work of God. And Derek Kidner talks about the ways that this language, may your mercy come quickly to meet us, might remind us of the father running out to the prodigal son, the mercy that's of beautiful. God coming quickly to meet the son mm -hmm. returning home. Right. And that's ultimately our hope and our need. But I thought, I, I think I need to make that prayer. Do not hold against us the sins of past generations. Because you could, God, you could hold those sins against us. So now we pray for your mercy. And I need to remind myself that I belong to a people. I'm not just Matt and sort of individualistically going through this. Although God yeah. cares individually for me, right? Yeah. But, but he also cares for us corporately. Yeah. Yeah. And for the world, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, so anyway, yeah. that might have been a little muddled, but it, it was one of the things that verse yeah. made me think of. Well, I think that's that's a question we're all asking ourselves now, though. So, yeah. and I certainly ask myself that, where is my responsibility in this sort of polarized society that we have? You know, and I just keep coming back. It's It's not to be political, but it's to try and keep pointing the way to Christ. Mm. Yeah. So... Because that's really our only salvation in the long run. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and I think as we there's like multiple layers, right? Like, but it's sort of I think it's in one of Peter's letters that he talks about judgment beginning in the house of God. Yeah. Uh, and the idea we right now our our culture is so politicized that when we start talking about these things, it's it's instinctively where we go first. Mm-hmm. But I think this psalm it makes me think, okay, where have we misstepped as yeah. God's people? Forget Democrat, Republican, forget, right. you know, the, the the national conversation. Not that it's not significant, mm-hmm. but the starting place for the people of God is where have we misstepped and where yes. do we need to seek to make wrongs right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, you know, the stories and we have there's hundreds of stories. If we sat down with people in our churches of people who have been wounded by the church yeah. and so many people, it's a miracle that they still belong to a church yes, because of what is. they've experienced in the uh-huh. past. And like i'm saying we we can't fix all those wrongs there is no fixing those wrongs but how do we create spaces for the spirit to be present how do we welcome mm-hmm. those people and how do we how do we how do we repent for the sins of past yeah. generations such yeah. that god's mercy might come quickly to meet us yeah. certainly a prayer that i think flows out of this song yeah. for me and the work of the church that, yeah that is the work of the church right that's what we should be doing should yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 <clears throat> well that didn't necessarily go a direction I thought it might there, but I love having this conversation. Uh-huh. Joan, any other reflections on Psalm 79? Anything uh, else you want to add No, I think we covered it pretty good. Good. So. Well, Happy New Year to listeners. <laughs> We're kicking off with an intense psalm, but I really appreciate your wisdom and this conversation. So thanks for taking some time, Joan. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, let's conclude with this beautiful verse 9 reminding us... Well, as Joan said earlier, who our foundation is, where our help comes from. Help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. 